Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Derek. How are you, Derek? I'm doing okay. How are you, man? Uh, you know, it could be worse. You know, I was thinking about this, Derek, earlier. So, but today is Friday evening, and, um, you know, you, nobody will hear this for another week or so. We post this next Thursday, so who knows what will happen with it between now and when we actually post this. But as of today... Uh, Russia is, you know, bombing the shit out of Ukraine and, you know, people are dying. Russian fighter jets are literally, you know, flying over the capital of a democratic republic in Europe, which is mind boggling. I honestly can't even fathom being there. You know, I think as Americans, we often look at like, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan, Yemen, Syria, all these things. And we just like they were so far away and we put it out of our heads. But as people in the the tech industry, right? Like Ukraine is like in the heart of it. Yeah. Right? You you can't even Russia. I mean, imagine how many developers and stuff we've worked with from that part of the world, Ukraine, Russia. You know, mentoring with ADP list over the last year, I've had an opportunity to to meet so many people from Ukraine and Russia. And we've talked all about like our lives and careers and all these other things. And it's just mind-boggling that some piece of shit tyrant like Vladimir Putin can just literally blow it all up. And I just, I can't, I can't understand how that is possible in 2022. I mean, if you think about like, shit, like 80 years ago now, World War II, that was so far away, but it's like, there's, it's no different. To me, it's no different than what we saw in World War II with Germany invading Poland and basically claiming literally the exact same thing. And I'm just thinking about this to like put it in perspective. If you think about this, like we've worked really closely with people in, in Hungary and Poland, and we've spent weeks together in Hungary and Poland I think we've come to consider a lot of the people living there in Budapest and Warsaw close personal friends. Would you agree? I would agree. And I'm thinking about like just the proximity to kind of put it in perspective for Americans because I think Americans just think about these things being across the world. Warsaw and Budapest are about the same distance apart from Kiev, uh, about 400 to 500 miles, 550 miles or so. And just to think about the proximity here, like our close personal friends are 500 miles from Russian attack helicopters bombing residential apartment buildings with little children in them. And that distance, Derek, is closer than the distance between New Orleans and Cincinnati. Like, just let that sink in for a minute. That's the distance between, like, New York and Chicago. That's how close our friends are in Warsaw and and Budapest to what's going on right now. I just, I, I can't even, like, fathom it. Like, being that close to it and our friends and family out there. And, you know, even listeners, man, like, we were checking the stats before this. And we have a bunch of people in Ukraine and Russia listening to this show. So... You know, I just, we're with you. We're thinking about you guys out there. I, I, I don't honestly can't even recommend a, a, a nonprofit to donate to. I don't know enough about it. Um, I think there's enough people online that are figuring that out. And, you know, we'll try to put some stuff in the show notes and, and send out an email and with some links and stuff. But anyway, it's just like hit so close to home for me. Uh, and Derek, I'm sure you as well. But like, I just, what's going on in Ukraine right now? I just, it's, it's a complete goddamn waste of life and it's no other person's fault than Vladimir Putin and he's a bully and a tyrant and a and a dictator and I think Russia deserves better frankly but that's what's going on right now Derek <laughs> to answer your question what's going on uh we're not getting bombed and we're safe and sound in our suburban houses uh in the middle of the midwest and our friends are not so kind of depressing not to be too much of a doubter <laughs> But it gets me all riled up. 
gets me round up, Derek. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, well, I have a I have a story that may cheer you up a little bit and offer some. Oh, please do. I could use it. Yeah, I, th- I thought you might be able to use this. So uh, the guys I work with, they decided to start playing basketball, pick up basketball. So I mentioned that a couple episodes. And I love trying basketball. to trying to improve your uh, you know work relationships and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. We talked I about that. How you do that? You get out there. You you know you do fun activities together, and so. I kind of nudged them just a little bit and then the water started flowing. There were great people recommending great things and like they set up a, a gym membership and we got access to this gym and me and uh, a friend of the podcast, Doug Poirier, went to uh, oh, went to go sh- play and whether it was, it was a mix of a bunch of different things. I'm kind of out of shape and running isn't something that I do relatively often. So like I, I get I get tired quickly. And in my head, I don't know why, but in my head, I was like, oh, we're just going to play like half court. No, dude. They played full court. And so I'm sitting there huffing and puffing and the ball's like, I'm barely making, getting my arm to shoot, you know? And I was like practicing a few days before to see if I can get get my (laughs) game going, you know? And it was really embarrassing because like, you know, I, I was like excited about it and I wanted to play well. And I was joking about like, oh, I'm going to break some ankles today and stuff and just joking like that. And uh, with the guy that organized, he messaged the group. We had this little group called Bucket Getters. And, uh, and, <laughs> Could you get and buckets? I got one bucket. Uh, but he messaged and he was like, oh, yeah, a lot, a, lot of, uh, a lot of chirping for somebody who can't put up the goods or something like that, you know. And I got so mad. I got so mad, Jeremy. <laughs> I was like, and it yeah. was like this big existential crisis. Like I'm past my prime. I was a man, and now I'm nothing. You know, it's like it's like I thought I was good, and I'm not good. You know, <laughs> well, you're good at other things, Derek. Well, no, I mean, I think honestly, I think it it just comes down to exercise and and all that stuff. But the perspective of it, getting all upset about this silly thing, not being able to play pickup basketball when your friends are dealing with this incredibly anxiety-ridden, like, terrifying thing overseas, it literally, within one day, I had this, like, embarrassing thing and this stupid uh, existential crisis because I couldn't pay basketball good enough. And then the next day, Ukraine gets bombed. And I'm just dealing with this, like, huh. So I'm a grown-up worried about getting older, getting all this stuff, you know, it's like these people are having to say bye to their kids because they have to stay and fight and they have to send their kids yeah, off yeah. on trains and shit. And so it's good to have perspective. I think it is the only good thing that comes out of tragedy, you know, is perspective for the people who aren't that deeply a, embedded in it. Um, a very good point, Derek. You know, you start to realize what's really important in your life. So if you're out there and you're having perspective problems, let this tragedy, let the one good thing about a tragedy do that for you too. So that's what, that's all I have to say, Trent. I I think it's a it's a good perspective, Derek. You know what I'm gonna do next time? Let me get some goddamn buckets. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> and I'm gonna break some ankles and I'm gonna tear their ass off. Yeah, you're gonna yeah, see. We're gonna. Um, oh, never mind. I'll, I'll let you to make a joke. About, I was gonna make a joke about commies, but anyway, <laughs> never mind. I'll let you know next time uh, if I if I survive. <laughs> the, the, it's, it's gonna be next Tuesday, so I'll let you know if I survive the next. Uh, basketball trip please do i can't wait to hear it all right uh 
and our, I'm sure our friends in, in Ukraine would be happy to get their mind off of what's going yeah. on for a minute with a, yeah. a wonderful story. Derek's Dar- right? basketball. <laughs> <laughs> How many shots did he get up? Yeah, I'm sure they care. Uh, anyway, uh, you know. So what are we talking about today, Jeremy? All right. Well, uh, let's see. We uh, we have an interesting topic today. You ever get an itch, Derek, to go learn a new thing? Sometimes. And then you start learning the new thing. Oh yeah. And then you realize you really are, you're kind of scared to start or you're nervous to start so overwhelming and it's, you know, oh my God, this thing is so big and so complex. How am I ever going to learn it all? Never happened to you? You know, funny you say that, Jeremy. It's funny you say that because uh, back in, uh, let's see, back in 2016, I actually wrote a blog post, believe it or not, called Learning Anxiety. Yeah. What are the odds? Who knew? How about that? How about that? Yeah. So I, I, I have thought about this, as it turns out. Enough to write about it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like feeling paralyzed, like you, just thinking about learning something new uh, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, and I had some thoughts about it. I don't know, Jeremy, if you're interested, I can share them with you. You know, I'd love to hear. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I thought about, I guess, back in 2016, revisiting this this idea. Of course, I was a different man back in 2016. Younger, better at basketball, faster. I was running at the time. COVID um, free. Totally COVID free. No COVID. Didn't even exist. Not even OG COVID. <laughs> Wild type. Well, COVID-16 maybe. Yeah, I mean, COVID-16. Yeah. So uh, I thought about what makes it difficult to learn. And distraction, this persistent distraction that we're constantly in, and it gets it gets worse every year. First, there was Facebook. So you're distracted every single time you get, you know, on your computer. And then there's Instagram. And now you're watching videos, but you're scrolling through. Three hours mm-hmm. goes by, and you're... you're Constantly scrolling videos. Now TikTok. Not only are you scrolling videos, but they last like three seconds. And so you've watched a hundred little three-second videos. You don't even learn anything. Now some people do use those tools to learn, but you can't learn anything deeply like that, you know? And I thought about it. Like how many ads are like popping up all over the websites when you're even trying to learn something? You know? It's like uh, there's an ad at the top. There's, there's There's a bar at the bottom. There's a thing you have to click an X on. That's not conducive to learning. Hmm. How many times a day are you distracted while you're doing one solitary task for 30 minutes? Jeremy, I remember I used to bug you all the time. He'd be on he'd be on a call and I'd be like, hey Jeremy, wanna play? <laughs> and he'd be like, No, I don't. Because I'm I'm on a call. Um, that never happened. Yeah, we never happened. Um other people did that, but not you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I was I was slight I was slightly more respectful than that. Um but if he would if he would look away for a second, I would bug him. Uh, how many people do you know who try to influence you uh, away from those core priorities that you have in life and that that distract you from really what you want to be you know what kind of rest do you get do you sleep well you know all these things uh put you in a in a state of heightened anxiety you know and and uh you know learning research does suggest that uh learning well requires a relaxed mind and the freedom time we're not afforded such luxuries jeremy not this in, is, this is often the case. This is often the case. Yeah. That's very true. So what you're saying, I guess, is that deadlines, pressure to, to build, pressure to do it fast, release on time with the least amount of bugs as possible, doesn't allow for the psychological, the mind space, the psychological space to go out and learn new things. I would say, I would, wouldn't say it doesn't allow. I would say it's not necessarily conducive. But it doesn't mean that it's not necessary. You gotta be Mm -hmm. 
deliberate about this stuff. If you want to learn something, you got to set aside the time and you got to allow yourself to really focus. But it's not just about that time because you could have a million different things on your plate, have 30 minutes and not know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are some, uh, you know, ways you can help yourself uh, deal with this. And I've actually been working with someone uh, on my team uh, who's newer in their career on techniques to help them focus, to help them prioritize, to get to a place where, you know, you can sit back and think of things in an abstract way and use that time for deeper knowledge, deeper insight. You know, a lot of times it's not just learning, it's insight into what you're doing that you need to focus on. Whether it's drawing on a whiteboard, okay, we have, I was doing this yesterday, I had a, um, a situation where we had an operational issue. So, uh, an, uh, an issue comes in, it's handled by like potentially three systems, and then it gets like routed down to like five people, but it's random seemingly. So we started to think of these issues as just generic events that occur, but events have properties, you know, like really getting abstract about it. And we, we gave ourselves the time to think about it in this way, like we're not rushing through it. Everything has to be um, concrete. It doesn't have to be concrete. But in order to get there, you need that space. Yeah. So what do you do then? How do you get that space? So there's a couple things. So there's the big picture and there's the small picture. All right. Let's take the big picture first. Your priorities in life and your work. All right. So for me, in my work life, I had responsibilities um, and expectations that were put on me. And those expectations had things I needed to learn around them. So what I, I like to do is I like to take those expectations and write down the things that I'm required to learn and then just rate myself. How much do yeah, I actually okay. know that? One to ten. And then rate how much I ex- feel like I'm expected to know that and see what that gap is and then focus on one at a time. Okay, then I need to get a course on, you know, Oracle databases, whatever it is. Um and go through that process of learning. The other interesting thing is outside of work, you have a bucket list in your head right now of things that you've always wanted to learn. And it's maybe not related to your job. Like there was a while where I wanted to learn, this is so silly, I wanted to learn how GPS worked, how satellites worked with GPS. And I had no idea. And I wrote it down. I was like, I always wanted to know this, you know? And I saw it on the list, and I didn't prioritize it. I had something else. But eventually, I finished enough stuff where I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend some time trying to figure out how GPS works. And I looked it up. And, uh, um, and it was, it's, just, it's just a cool, a cool way to create a bucket list of learning items as opposed to, like, you know, a very specific, like, you know, uh, business action item list. Um, mm-hmm. Because... Then they all are things you really want to learn, want to yeah. dive deeper into. Yeah. You know, I sort of like anecdote for me here is, you know, um, learning something new that's very stressful or, or daunting, I guess, could, could become stressful would be like for us, we were working with the team in Hungary. I said, you know, I'm going to learn Hungarian. Yeah. So I, you know, went on Duolingo and uh, Memorize and all these other things and started learning Hungarian. And I was doing pretty good. You know, I got pretty far along. 
And then, you know, I got to the point where I could order drinks and order for the check. And I had like, uh, when we went to Hungary, the last time I went to Hungary, we were doing this thing where, you know, we went out afterwards with a bunch of the guys that we work with. And I was like, just give me any word, you know, just nowhere. And I, I was like spitting out vocabulary, you know, I could like remember all this stuff. And everybody was like really impressed. And I was so proud of myself. And then we lost the team in Hungary and we ended up working with a team in Poland. And Polish, another completely different language, not similar at all to Hungarian. Uh, and so everything I would have had to learn, I had to learn over again. And when it came down, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to learn Polish. And I started to try. And I got to the point where I get, I would get like kind of anxious about opening up Duolingo. Like opening up Duolingo to learn Polish was like made me nervous. No kidding. Because I would fail. I could never pass the stupid things. It was so hard. Yeah. And, you know, hung, uh, Hungarian was hard, <laughs> but like it was exciting, you know, and it was new and like trying to learn a completely different really complex language. I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this. And like, you know, I, I learned a couple of Polish words and that was it, but I didn't get nearly as far learning Polish as I did Hungarian. And to this day, you know, I still keep these little books <laughs> next to my desk here just to kind of like remind me that like I was at one point I was learning these really two, two really complex languages. Um, but uh, yeah, I get like we get like nervous, like physically nervous. So, you know, like you get that that kind of feeling in your stomach, yeah. which is such a silly thing. I was like, why, why am I nervous about this? It's just stuff. Uh, but I did. I would get nervous, and I don't know that like learning anxiety. I think is like kind of real, you know. And that was such a silly thing, like trying to learn a language. It wasn't even really anything important, you know, or quote unquote important for for work or anything like that, you know. Yeah, that's tough. You lost the thrill, man. That's the thing. Yeah, like there's that's a, a probably a, yeah. there's an in, there's a, there's a thrill to learning, and when it's something you really want to know, you're gonna dive deeply into it. I feel like people give up so quickly when they want to learn something new, and that's why they don't become experts. But it's mm -hmm. actually the the path to being. Uh, someone once told me this: if you read two books on a subject, you're in the 99th percentile of people who know that subject. Mm. It's like. Because subjects are a lot of times so narrow. So like I, I'm in the process right now of learning how to do audio engineering. And picking up a book on audio engineering is actually very daunting for me because I don't know how big it is. So um, how you achieve. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's scary because audio engineering just is so big. So I find myself less afraid to listen to people than to read. Because reading was always what I did in school yeah. and they forced yeah, me to. I was gonna say. So I, I, mm -hmm. I'm watching YouTube videos of people like breaking things down very clearly. And then the books mm -hmm. aren't as scary because I have like my armor and my shield and my sword and I can go and like fight the books, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I can, I can beat well, they're them. they're just books, Derek. They can't hurt. You don't need the shield. Paper cuts. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, uh, it, there's a, there's a aspect of thrill there. And I think if you're losing, mm -hmm. if you don't have a thrill to learn, what you're doing and there's no thrill left i would recommend even if i mean if you're making good money and you're supporting your family and all that stuff you have to keep moving but find something in your role that is interesting enough to give you that thrill back you know what maybe it's not even software related maybe it's like something around how teams are organized or some silly thing we talked about on this podcast some kind of soft skill or something yeah, like facilitation yeah. skills or something. Right. Yeah. How, how, how one of your software tools works, like, like how your IDE works or how your, um, how the browser works. Like there's so many things to learn. It's like endless and get and to get excited about the, the little things too. So there's, there's this whole thing like, do you know why the sky is blue? 
and uh, somebody actually sent that in to Star Talk, which is uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And they would send his. My favorite one was, "Why is it hotter in the summer and colder in the winter?" And this wasn't a child. This was a, a a person who yeah. felt like that was something I never learned, and I want to know this thing. Can you help me learn know this thing now? And it's like that that level of like self awareness is something you need if you're going to be great at something. You know? Yeah. So you know, just to think about like the psychology of this, when you mentioned that we were uh, you wanted to talk about this today, I uh, I found a an article from the Harvard Business Review. Interesting. Um, that's talking about the anxiety of learning. And there's actually this study done back in the 60s, I think. This is, you know, right after the Korean War, this psychologist went and he, what he found was that survival anxiety and learning anxiety are actually very closely related. And he was comparing, like, prisoner of war camps from Korea with the way that companies expect people to learn. This idea of survival anxiety and learning anxiety kind of play off of each other, and you only attempt to learn once the survival anxiety outweighs the learning anxiety. Huh. Right? So, you know, you'll do what you got to do to survive in your job, right? Much like you would in a prison of war camp. I guess this is how this is kind of related. And what he found was that, I don't know where they got this statistic, but one of the things they mentioned in the article was that something like 80% of, in these Korean uh, prisoner of war camps, 80% of the people survived by just being passive, by just doing what they needed to do, which is sort of like when you think about work, all the things we talk about, like those people who just say, you know, just screw it. I'm going to do the bare minimum and get by. Okay. That's how most people tend to survive because it's very easy. That survival instinct is very easy. And what's the incentive to learn, right? It's harder for you to go out and learn. The only time you're going to go out and learn is when that survival instinct uh, kicks in and forces you to learn. So the survival anxiety outweighs the learning anxiety. Oh, if you don't learn this thing, you're fired, right? right? If you don't learn this thing, you're going to be useless and no one's going to, you know, like uh, I just think about like, I don't know, back in the day when computers came along, you don't learn how to type, you can't be a secretary anymore. Yeah. Right? So you have to learn how to type. Um, so I guess you had typewriters before, but you get the idea. So <laughs> some like old man who doesn't want to learn how to type, yeah. he's getting he's going to get replaced by a younger person who will. So he has to learn how to type. You know, that kind of thing, that idea of survival versus learning. It was really interesting, that article. I um, Honestly, I didn't get a chance to read the, through the whole thing to get an idea. I should have, I guess. <laughs> That's what happens when we don't, when we have jobs and we can't prep as, as long as much as we would like to. But anyway, it was really interesting, this idea of survival. They actually talk about uh, GE and Crotonville in here as well, which I thought was really interesting. And how uh, back in the day, like companies indoctrinating their employees through these like, quote unquote, learning centers <laughs> were, were really a lot like these prisoner war camps trying to like indoctrinate people and stuff. Yikes. Um, so anyway, it was a really interesting article. I have to post it in the show notes. But I, that, I really found that like, kind of compelling, that idea that you're not going to learn until your need to survive outweighs the need to learn. That's really interesting. And, and, you know, once you have safety and once you are, you know, comfortable or, or yeah, I guess safety is the word. Once you have mm -hmm. safety, you right. may have the ability to learn things outside of the need to learn them, outside of the need. Mm -hmm. So if I was to give any advice to people who were feeling like this, I would recommend starting by creating a learning bucket list for yourself. What are things you really want to know about uh, for yourself? Don't even worry about work. Then take that list 
and prioritize needs versus wants. So those survival items and the things that you want to learn. And then find the ones that are in both camps. The needs and the wants mixed together. If there's nothing, then if you're not in a happy situation at work, maybe it's something to consider. Wow, because um, a lot of times a need will, will coincide with the job. So just consider like, wait a minute, I always wanted to learn this and I, you know, need to know all this stuff. Why is why is it so different? After you do all that, you have to actually action on it, take action on it. And that's pretty difficult when you have a lot of things going on. But if if your wants become your needs in the is in that list, then your prioritizing them is part of your like path that you're supposed to be on for your job or for whatever you're doing in life. Like if you wanted to um, start your own business or you wanted to start making music or start painting, you know, all these are really important things to you. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants to do. They're important to you. Um, Nobody expects anything from you outside of like what you're being paid for. And that's the weird thing. Like we get all messed up thinking that like, there's all these general expectations, like standard expectations for us. That's all bullshit. There are none. You have to be kind yeah. to people. You have to be respectful to other people. Yeah. And past what you learn yeah. in kindergarten, it's really all on you. What do you really want to learn about? You know, I just find that really comforting and fascinating that you can really make your own yeah. decisions in life, you know? Everything else. Well, the other thing, too, that I wanted to talk about was also, you know, the learning anxiety is something I think people experience in their own. But one of the things that I I found interesting from this article I was reading from the Harvard Business Review was talking about how companies set up a lot of that, those things that lead to learning anxiety and the survival anxiety, Mm. right? A more cutthroat job, clearly survival anxiety is going to be very high. Uh, learning anxiety will be relatively low or the need to learn will be relatively low because your need to survive is relatively higher. So if you want you get your people, you know, uh, as, a, as a leadership team or a management team, if you want to get your people to invest in themselves and learn more, you have two things you could do. You could increase the survival uh, anxiety to the point that learning anxiety becomes necessary. Uh, you know, f- basically scare them into learning, yeah. essentially, right? Or you can decrease the learning anxiety, right? Carrot and the stick kind of mm-hmm. thing. And you decrease that learning anxiety by creating, you know, a psychologically safe environment for people to go out, try things, you know, fail, learn, experiment, things like that. Um, and I thought that was like a really interesting thing that, you know, if you if your people are focused on surviving, they will not focus on learning. So if you want them to learn, you need to decrease their focus on survival so that they will increase their focus on learning and learning will no longer be stressful and anxious, uh, an anxious thing for them. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, right? It's hard. Maybe it's hard for you as an individual contributor to to change that. But I think if you're leading a team, you're a tech lead like we were talking about with Tyler last week, you know, that's the kind of thing that I think is really important from our perspective. It's like, yeah, from you, you know, there's learning anxiety is a thing. But as as a, as a management team, you are also partly responsible for that leveling of anxiety to some extent. And you can help change it so that your team will improve in other areas. I think about, you know, the Google, what is it like the one hour 
a week or something where they set aside to go learn something. They make that a space for you to go and learn. You're not going to get in trouble for reading a blog or listening to something or trying some new or experimenting with something. This is your time to go do that. And that therefore decreases that learning anxiety. So what else? You got any other tips, Derek? Any other uh, ideas for decreasing uh, learning anxiety? Yeah, it, it's it's interesting too, like how much power you really have is is kind of enormous depending on the culture of your organization. Um, really, even if your culture is very, very much in, like everybody's always in survival mode, um, you can create spaces for people to learn. You can do this. You can create mm-hmm. events for people to go to. You know, if you feel like you're in a place mm-hmm. where you're a little bit beyond survival, help the people who are working with you have the ability to feel better about learning. Give them easier tools to learn, not just the standard, you know, stuff that's been always given to them through their company or through some website link or, you know, the basic stuff. And then when you talk about, what's fascinating to me, Jeremy, when you talk about like you have survival and you have learning, when you force, when you scare people into learning, do you think they're going to learn incredibly deeply and have incredible insights? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some will, but yeah. it's probably going to be that 80%, 20% thing where 80% of the people will learn the bare minimum to get their job done. I actually had a professor once that told me. And actually, I, I'm still questioning whether this is good advice. Maybe you could tell me. He said, you're going to have a lot of things you're going to do in life. Learn only enough to get your job done. And for a while, I was like, genius, right? Because then it limits your intake. But when I started to realize that, like, I didn't know, I was missing basics because I was just learning, like, the commands to do whatever I had to do in my job. I couldn't answer simple questions. How does the compiler work? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just, I type in these commands. That's what they asked me to do. You see how much less of an expert I sound like? Unless right, it, right. unless you actually know how everything works. So I think depth of yeah. knowledge is more important if you want to move into more uh, leadership positions in the organization where people stop paying you to type and they start paying you to think, you know, all the time. Um, yeah. And uh, that was a big a big realization. I think I had to unlearn that. You know, I, I had a, a a boss. This was back when I was working in restaurants. And I think back then <laughs> this uh, advice worked much better for that more manual labor working in a kitchen versus, uh, you know, more uh, – I don't know. What's the right right term for that? Manual labor versus I guess like a thought thought labor or uh, – Thought work. Intellectual it, yeah. labor. Yeah, thought work I guess. Um, anyway, his advice was <laughs> really interesting at the time. But it was, um, you know, you never have to give 100%. You only need to give 10% more than everyone else, (laughs) which back then when you're working in a restaurant is probably true, right? I don't need to buff the floors every night. I only need to clean them a little bit better than everybody Mm -hmm. else. But, you know, now in in the role that we're in, it's totally different, I think. Uh, You should be giving your all and trying to pull everyone up to being 90% of where you're at as opposed to being 10% better than them. You know, or hell, even making everyone 10% better than you. (laughs) You know, you don't need to be the best person in the room, but you need to bring everyone up to your to be better than you and that's kind of how that's as for me has like changed over time which i think goes back to your point about setting up a thing and teaching everybody the stuff you know 
or you know, or or having a, a, a making a guild where you can ever hit everybody and can talk about new things that are happening that you weren't aware of, and and everyone, you know, you help bring everyone else up. So I think that advice you got is very similar to the advice Sounds I got. Sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, I think it's might it might be fine for people who are just starting out to just get their job done, maybe to get a little bit of confidence. But once you reach a certain threshold, I don't. I think that 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 probably separates the leaders from the rest of the pack, right? And some people want to be that. Some people don't want to be leaders. Some people don't want to, you know, be thought leaders, quote unquote, or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, it's certainly applicable. It's the same as those people who just kind of want to do the bare minimum to get by, get a paycheck, go home because they got other stuff to do. Maybe that's what they care about, and that's fine. But um, you know, I guess that that advice could apply to different people at different points in their lives, perhaps. Possibly, yeah. Well, hot damn. All right, Derek. Well, that's it for me for today. Derek, you got anything else? No, just uh, keep learning. And if you have trouble, one of the other thing I wanted to mention, if you have trouble building the confidence to learn something new, go teach someone else something you already know. It'll it'll build your confidence like very, very quickly. Um, someone that cares, someone that wants to learn something. Um, I actually got something from a company recently, a little email saying that there was people that wanted mentorship in certain areas. Jeremy does ADP list. And um, mm-hmm. it's uh, it can really boost your confidence. So I'd recommend doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if anybody is out there listening that hasn't signed up for ADP List as either a mentor or a mentee, I think that is a wonderful opportunity to meet other people, talk about random stuff. You get an hour. It's nothing long-term commitment. It's not like you have to have the same meeting with the same people every week. You could talk to a bunch of different people from all over the world, different cultures, different backgrounds. And it's just an amazing way to learn something new. Um, I think they actually have uh, mentors that are product managers, obviously UX designers, but even software engineers are on there now. So they're, they're expanding a little bit. So go out there and find some people and talk to them. And or if you're been doing this long enough, you think you're you're a mentor, go out there, sign up, see if you can uh, sign up and become a mentor and mentor the people. But you know what? Beyond that, though, Derek, you don't have to even go through any kind of, you know, official group or website like ADP list. It could be just something you set up with your own, you know, group at work or something or find other people at work that you you know want to talk to. Hey, can I grab you a coffee? You want to go grab a coffee and chat? Um, you know, uh, I think that kind of stuff. You'll be amazed what you'll learn. Even from the mentor side, you'd be hilarious. amazed what you learn from, from other people that are, quote, unquote, under you. I love it. I love it, Jeremy. I think that's a good spot to stop today, my friend. Uh, so, Derek, check us out on RetroTimePodcast.com. Get yourself some stickers, RetroTimePodcast.com slash stickers. We are still working on those RetroTime review jams. So get out there. We got a little backlog. We're, we're, we're getting through it. It'll be here soon. Don't worry, Derek. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> They're coming. Uh, and uh, check us out, uh, Retro Time Pod on Twitter. And again, for anybody out there in Ukraine or Russia, uh, please, you know, be careful if you're out there protesting in Russia. I've seen thousands of people out there. It's just like amazing the, the amount of uh, the amount of of courage you guys are showing going out there is incredible. Everyone in Ukraine, please, for the love of God, be safe. Um, if you can get out, get out and, um, we are with you. We'll figure out some stuff to help you guys out and we'll, we'll post some stuff and and hopefully share it and, uh, do our part as best as we possibly can. So take care out there. And with that, we'll see you soon. All right. All right, my man. It's all good. Good talk. Always. Talk to you soon. All right, man. See ya. Bye-bye.
Let's inside your head. Let's go. 